to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantine 10. And welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. Ooh. Oh, yes. This is the penultimate episode, then. <laughs> it's the penultimate Constantine. It's not the penultimate episode. It's close. Yeah. yeah. Second to last. Se- yeah. Second to last Constantine. <laughs> no more Constantines, apart from the very last one. Ah, uh, bit of a break, then. Yeah, yeah. We've got a whole bunch of... Um, I think we've got a few Johns. And uh, some Alexoses and... Emperor John? We've already had a John, remember? I know, it just sounds weird, though. Yeah. It's yeah. like Emperor Stephen. We've yeah. had a Stephen, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emperor Brian. There hasn't been an Emperor Brian yet. We haven't had a Brian, but we did have Brianios uh, in the other episode, who uh, was true. attempting to coup, so we almost had. It's, it's not beyond the rounds, shall we say. No. Emperor Brian. No. Anyway, right. Instead of talking about possible emperors, let's talk about this emperor. But before we start, I'm going to do a bit of a recap. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> if you're binging this listening in the future, you you might well be fine. Uh, but we, as in me and Jamie, have had quite a big gap in recording to record the Slave Revolt episodes. Yeah. At, at the end of the Macedonian dynasty. And then we've done a couple of emperors, but uh, there was quite a big gap there. And Constantine yeah. X lives through the very messy latter half of the Macedonian dynasty. So mm-hmm. it'll be good if you're quite clear of what's going on. If you've got a pen and a bit of paper at the moment nearby, <laughs> it might help. Yeah, or if you're driving your car, get your person sitting next to you. Yeah, yeah. To, to yeah. dry sword draw. Yeah, I was actually talking to you, Jamie, not the listener there. Oh, yeah. yes, well, I need it, yeah. Oh, okay. You've usually got your notebooks, so, yeah. Oh, I'm always writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, Basil II, you remember him? Basil II, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how far back we're going. Was he the first Macedonian? No, no, Basil, Basil I was the first Macedonian. Wow. Um, but in my head, the first half of the dynasty is Basil I to Basil II, and then the second half is Basil II <laughs> onwards. So, okay. Yeah, it, I, I don't know why I've decided that, but that's what I think. Anyway, yeah. Basil II died. He left his old fun-loving brother, Constantine VIII, in charge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but eight did not last long, and he had no sons. So when he was about to die, he forced his daughter Zoe to get married. And see how quickly we're already with Zoe and Theodora. That was very fast. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I'll I'll, I'll do that again. So, right, Constantine VIII, (laughs) he's the emperor, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Have you got a little picture of him? Good, (laughs) he looks happy. I'm guessing he was a happy man. Right, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, he now looks dead, but he's not quite dead yet. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> and X those eyes. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's pen, Rob, it's pen. <laughs> Put some sunglasses on him. All right. <laughs> I've given him a blindfold. That that will do, yeah. He doesn't, doesn't want to see his fate coming towards him. Right, okay. <laughs> He's dying. He's got no sons. So, what to do, he thinks, as do the powerful who are uh, behind him. And it's decided that's fine. His daughter Zoe can get married to someone, and whoever she marries will become the next emperor. Yes, this I remember should this. start ringing a bell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, I remember all of this. Oh yeah, good. Zoe, if you remember, had several lovers, 
Many of them called oh, Constantine. She did. Oh, yes. So the first Constantine that was considered was Constantine Delesinos, who I always just called Delesinos for yeah. the sake of getting rid of a Constantine. Um, and if you remember, <laughs> Delesinos was uh, called for, and he headed towards the capital, thinking, Great, I'm going to be the emperor. Uh, but yep. then it was decided that actually, no, Delesinos is a bad choice. Instead, we'll get the city prefect, Romanos III. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's already got a numeral after his name. He might as well be the emperor. Helpful. Yeah, exactly. So a letter was sent off to Delesnos. Sorry, your services are no longer required. We were sure the best of the future endeavours. Yeah, exactly. And so he married Romanos, very much uh, not happy. However, another lover of Zoe, and <laughs> that lover's brother, John the Orphan Atrophus, remember, arranged for the emperor Romanos to have a little accident. Was that when it was he was swimming? Yes, you've got it. Well, I'm impressed with your memory. This is getting, you're doing well here. He was drowned, and then he didn't actually drown because he bobbed like a cork for a while, and they fished him out. Uh, but then he yeah. slowly died. Yeah. There you go. You've now got Michael Four, Zoe's lover, and Johnny yeah. Orphanotrophus, his brother, um, in charge. Yeah. But Michael Four then becomes ill, and the brothers come up with a way to keep the throne in the family and appoint a nephew. Michael Five, the ship smearer, as heir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was great, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Uh, a proven warrior. Oh, yeah, a stellar example of an emperor. Zoe yeah. adopts him to make sure it's all legit and on the level. However, what they didn't know was that a third brother had been working on getting the ship smearer on his side behind the scenes. So once Michael Four, the lover, died, Michael the ship smearer works on undoing literally everything John the Orphanotrophus had achieved. Fantastic. Yeah, this younger generation comes in and just goes, you know what, all you old folk, it's all going. That's not just Michael Four and John the Orphanotrophus, that meant Zoe as well. Zoe was exiled, and then a pa faction of the powerful used this as a way to spark a revolt, which sort of works. The ship smearer is blinded in the streets, if you remember. Oh. Yeah, Salus yeah. was there watching it. We've gone over that revolt a few times in different perspectives, so I won't go over yeah. it again, but the upshot is that Zoe and Theodora, her sister, who's been nunned for quite some time, yes. end up ruling together. Yes, so which I'm sure they loved. <laughs> yes, uh, they weren't too pleased with each other still. But, uh, misogyny of the Romans, another man was needed. Can't have two women on the throne. Madness. Of course not. Uh, so, uh, another Constantine was found. Constantine Nine. Hey. Hey. Uh, he was drafted into rule. Uh, he brought his, uh, his lover along with him. And um, him and his lover and Zoe ruled in a menage a trois kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is when Theodore was like doing perfumes, wasn't Yeah, she? Theodore was just in the background, not doing much. Just watching them whilst making perfumes. <laughs> yeah, it was all very creepy. Uh, yeah. yeah, but then all all three in the menage de trois die, which, if you put it like <laughs> that, sounds like a sex accident. Uh, but, <laughs> it really does. But it wasn't, as we saw. Good. They died independently of each other, but in relatively quick succession. A faction behind Theodora kept her in charge so they could keep reaping the rewards of having a puppet yeah. emperor. But then Theodora dies. So, what should we do? Let's bring in the old Michael. That will do, they think. So Michael's brought in, and again, that same faction still pulling the strings and basically making themselves rich. Yeah. And then we get to things that you should definitely remember, although I have been impressed with your memory so far, uh, because this was just... Yeah, that listeners, time. you hear that? <laughs> One is rare compliments. In fact, listeners, be honest. Be honest with yourself. Did you remember <laughs> all of that? 
And was there any point where Jamie went, oh, yeah, I remember this, where you you were a bit hazy on the details still? And uh, if so, maybe give Jamie a pass next time he forgets something. It's, yeah, it's, thank you, Rob. It's, it's hard. It's hard being it is. the listener in a podcast. You, you've got to... It is. You've got to remember so much. I, I, don't, I don't think people realise the amount of work it takes to emotionally and mentally prepare for this podcast and listening... Yeah. Hours every week. Yeah. And then you've then you've got to forget by the next week in order to And And that's a whole new level. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Isaac, remember him? Yes. Yay! <laughs> Isaac revolts <laughs> and takes the throne. A military leader wanting to bring the glory days back to the Empire. Mm. Uh, but then he got ill shortly afterwards and perhaps surprisingly did not give the throne to his brother John. Mm. And instead to a friend of Celus. An aristocrat yeah. named Constantine from the very powerful Ducas family. So there you go. That's caught us up. Splendid. The reason why I just wanted to do that now is because I'll admit, whilst I was doing my research, because there were so many moving parts in the dynasty, I kept having to go back and double check things. So I just wrote it out nice and clearly yeah. for myself. I uh, nice. thought, you know what? Let's just put that at the start of the episode just in case uh, people listening are a bit lost. Yeah. If you didn't need that, just skip that section. <laughs> and uh, there you go, you should have landed about here So we're ready to go That'll work, won't it? Yeah, it'll be fine I'll be able, yeah. So, Constantine Ducas let's, let's get a bit of background on the Ducas family You've heard of the Ducas family before Yeah, the, the, they were the, the Dukii Yeah, the Dukii, the Dukai, the, the Dukesies Ducks Yeah, yeah, go right. Ducks, exactly Oh, did you hear the thing about Ducks? In, in China, they're, they're releasing like tens of thousands of Ducks to eat all the pests on Chinese farms and stuff. To... That's not going to be a story read about in 50 years where everyone goes, oh my God, why did we release the ducks? Look at the <laughs> yeah. chaos that's happened at all. No. <laughs> Take it over. I can only think yeah. in history of examples where vast quantities of wildlife have been released into a new ecosystem and everything's gone perfectly fine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I think they're trained ducks. They're like, they, they, sort, of, they, they sort of... I watched the video. They sort of move around together. They don't just spread out like cows. They sort of all go in a little group. Like a little V-shape when they're flying. Yeah. That must take a lot of training. That's where you get the dog at the front, like with stick. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the duck story. Uh, maybe no the problem. Duke's family ra- raised ducks. Maybe they were duck trainers. There we go. There we go. As Celis writes, and I'll quote Celis here, they were the kind of persons that historians write about. He's sort of... That's more of a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it, really? Especially when you're a historian writing, like Celis was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Important family, I think, is what we can glean from that. We don't actually know yeah. the origins of the family. Uh, we do know that around the time of our tale at the moment, the family let it be known that they had links to the very first Constantine and the founding of the city. A further story tells us of how the name Ducas actually came from Dukes or Duke, and that Constantine yes. I trusted the family to run the city. So the story was that the, the Ducas family were the original rulers of the city for Constantine I. Okay. This is almost certainly made up completely. Uh, there is no record of the Ducas family being around during Constantine's time, although I mean, okay. maybe they could have been, but there's no record of it. Uh, mm. We are 700 years removed from Constantine I now. Yeah, I'd be like knowing what your family was doing 700 years ago. So. Yeah, exactly. It's, this is, uh, I mean, the, the chances of a family staying at the, at the top of a social structure in a city for that long is just... 
astronomical. It, no, it's just not going to happen. No. Uh, the first mentions of the family uh, that we have on record is actually the mid-800s. We're talking at least 250 years here, maybe okay. 300 years. However, the first time we came across the Ducas family was the father and son duo of Andronicus Ducas and his son Constantine. Now, yeah. now I'm going to say if you remember these guys, and there's no reason why you would, it was quite a long time ago we recorded no, this, and they weren't emperors. No, I remember the name Ducas, and that's it. Yeah, uh, we are in the early days of the Macedonian dynasty. This is the son of Basil I. Alexander had just died, leaving the throne to his wife and child, Zoe and right. Constantine Seven. So we're, we're a while, whiles back now. Yeah. However, uh, this was where we saw a, a few soft coups start to begin in the Macedonian dynasty. If you remember, Constantine VII was a bit of a, a sort of background emperor, and there was lots of soft coups against him, and it was essentially someone else ruling while he did nothing in the background. Yeah. Yeah. You see, this is more like the uh, recall I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just, just nod with a vacant expression. Yeah. However, uh, around this time, we actually saw a real coup attempt, which was Constantine Ducas attempting a good hard coup and storming the palace. I, I described yeah. that uh, coup for you. He attacked the palace and he died in the attack. They were literally storming the courtyards. Is that when they were arrowed from the... Like from a balcony or something. Yes, yes, I think you're remembering the right one there. Unless, uh, unless I'm also I'm misremembering. I'm on fire today. You are on fire. So that's a uh, that Constantine Ducas is a famous Ducas in history. <laughs> history of traitors. Well, as I was about <laughs> to say, even though yes, he was a big, big ugly traitor. Due to various regime changes, power shifts, and the wealth yeah. of the Ducas family, the Ducas family didn't suffer too much after this failed coup attempt. Mm. Because they were just too powerful. Yeah. Write it off as a bad egg. Let's just carry on. Uh, now, there are several mentions of the Ducas family after this. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of them. Just know that they hold important positions in the city and the empire. Uh, one branch of the family seemed to have fought with Sclerus against Basil II in that civil war. It started Basil II's episode. Right. So, as you can see, so far they've not been on the right side of history. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> However, there is a chance that this is actually a mix-up, because the family name is also a military title, as in dukes. So it might yeah. just be someone being referred to as a duke. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. That's interesting, yeah. Still, all of this is in the past. We've now got Constantine X Ducas, who was born around 1006. The tales of his family were well known. Uh, it was history that was shared, and they took pride in their history. Uh, the important families did. Your grandfather's a traitor, your great-great-grandfather's a traitor, and by God, you'll be a traitor as well, Constantine. Yeah, it's a bit like that. I mean, very nice. in mind, and I, um, I, just, I did a very rough working out uh, in my head, this would be a bit like being told a story of a family member during Queen Victoria's reign for the Basil II Civil War and during the American Civil War for the original Constantine Ducas. Uh, yeah, this is well in the past for them now. Fair enough. Yeah. So, big famous family. And yes, there were some bad eggs in the past, but yeah. They're, yeah. they're in the ruling class. They are part of the powerful. Now, Constantine X, we reach him now. He was the son of a man named Andronicus, because, yes, as ever with the Romans, each family's got about two names that they share between everyone. Yeah. 
now, there is a record of Andronicus being the governor of Moesia. That's south of the Danube, sort of near the coast of the Black Sea, on the coast yep. of the Black Sea, so around there. So doing well for themselves still. According to Cellus, Constantine spent most of his time outside the capital on his father's estate whilst growing up. Uh, it's unclear where this estate is, however, whether that was in Moesia or whether it was an estate closer to the capital. Maybe it was literally just outside the walls and he had a villa there. Uh, It really wasn't clear. Just know he's not in the thick of it. However, despite this, it is undoubtful that Constantine would have regularly gone into the capital with his father on state business. His Andronicus Ducas was a powerful man, so he would have been showing his son the ropes. And Constantine would have been getting an education on how the state is run. Uh, that is about all we know of Constantine's childhood. We huh. know he would have got a good education. Uh, he would have been brought up to believe that he was a cut above the average person. Uh, because, huh. obviously, he's a ducus. Uh, however, it was in his religious learnings that he seemed to excel. He grows up to be uh, remarked upon as being incredibly pious. He knew his theology... So, a lot of religious studies. And now we need to go and look into the messy reigns of the late Macedonian dynasty. And this is why we've just recapped it, so I didn't have to spend half yeah. of this recapping what's happening. I could just Fair explain enough. to you what's going on. So, yeah. it's around this time that Constantine VIII dies. And Zoe has just got married to Romanos. Right. And Delesanos has just been spurned. Yes. Remember, Delesnos was going to marry Zoe and then was told yeah. last minute, nah, sorry, we, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, at some point, we've got no idea how, uh, but powerful families all know each other. And probably in his early 20s, Constantine marries Delesnos' daughter. Oh. Yeah. Political? Yeah, I imagine so. All of these marriages in the uh, high-up families would have been political. You use it to gain leverage, to solidify factions, things that have been lost to time, unfortunately. But more than likely, this will be a political alliance between two powerful families. Do we think that the lesser would have got more out of it than the the uh, the, the Dukasisses? Uh, not necessarily, because the Delesinosisses, uh were <laughs> uh, were also a very powerful family. Uh, I mean, the Dukas family are powerful, yeah. but. There are several but families like them. I, I, I don't know, because I guess I'm thinking if they've just been spurned, it might be a way to... Ooh, we need to yeah, possibly, but a bit. It says something about the Delesinos family that a Delesinos was considered to be the next emperor for a while. Oh, OK. Uh, well, I mean, true. yes, yeah. last moment someone else was chosen above him, Romanos yeah. was, but he was in the running, a strong contender for a while. OK. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's hard to say with the distance of time which family would be getting the most of it uh, out of this alliance. We don't know all the details, obviously, but it's safe to say it's a marriage of allegiance, Yeah. most likely. However, saying that, we do get an indication that Constantine and Delesinos, as in father-in-law, son-in-law, uh, actually yeah. get on very well together. So maybe there is actually a friendship there. Maybe this was, by happenstance, also a marriage of love. Who knows? We can but speculate. Yeah. Uh, in a way, let's hope it's not, though, uh, because oh. uh, Delesinos' daughter then dies. Oh. Yeah. Which. Uh, ah, well. Yeah, well, we don't even know her, so... Yeah. <laughs> Do you know her but, name? No, no. Don't even know her name. So. I wonder if, wonder if Constantine did. <laughs> let's hope so, yeah. Halfway through a boiled egg in the morning. I'm sorry to say, so your wife passed away last night. Oh. 
Let's carry on. Oh, you mean Delesnos's daughter? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh Delesnos must be upset. <laughs> Mommy, send a card. <laughs> yeah. However, despite the the death of the daughter slash uh, wife that connected the two of them, the two of them clearly did remain friends. Uh, and the families remain close. So close, in fact, that by the time that Zoe's other lover, Michael Four, becomes the emperor, yeah. he then decides to exile Delesnos. Remember, Delesnos was an old lover of Zoe, and Michael Four's an old yeah. lover of Zoe. It's pure jealousy. Oh. Delesnos yeah. gets accused of treason and is exiled. <laughs> Now, Constantine and the Ducas family are so close to the Delesnos family at this point that they are also implicated in the charges that Michael and John the Orphan Trophus have come up with. Guessing you can see now why I did the recap at the start. This gets very mm. name-heavy. Uh, yeah. Lots of moving parts. Now, the region that Delesnos was sent to, because he was exiled, uh, for a while revolts against Michael. This is something I didn't really cover because it was only a small thing, but they felt they'd been taxed too heavily and the region revolts. Michael Four and John the Orphan Trophus blame Delesnos for this. We sent you over right. there to exile and then suddenly they're revolting. You must have stirred up trouble. And in fact, you must have had some help. I bet the Dukai helped you as well. Oh, oh no, it's not us. <laughs> well, Delesnos and his son-in-law Constantine were then imprisoned in a tower in the city. Too powerful to kill, you don't want to upset two of the most powerful families in the city, but too dangerous to exile. So they were simply just put out of sight in a tower. Oh, it's like the Tower of London. Yeah, yeah. The princes in the tower. Ooh. Or just an interesting sitcom waiting to happen. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Annoying roomies, yeah. <laughs> yes. However, as we've seen, John the Orphan Atrophus and Michael Four. In their attempt to keep the throne in the family, then appoint Michael V, the ship smearer, as the heir. Michael IV then dies, the ship smearer starts to undo all the achievements, and one of their achievements was to imprison Delesnos and Constantine Ducas. So they're now free. Yes, yeah, so the ship smearer releases them. How, how long were they in prison for? It's not Roughly. really clear, but we are talking at least months, perhaps years. Well, it's enough for a few series. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you could certainly eke some <laughs> out, especially if you have, like, a Christmas special where you're just doing, like, best-of clips yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Constantine, presumably, a bit of speculation here, we don't get firm details, but probably just went back to his life that he had before. Yeah. If the daughter of Delesnos hadn't died before all this kicked off, she's definitely dead by this point. Maybe she even died when they were in prison together and news reached them. That'll be a sad episode, that one, well, won't it? Or hilarious. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my daughter. You've got a daughter. You married her. Did I? I don't remember marrying her. Yeah, I suppose it's how slapstick you make it. Anyway, uh, the, the two still remain close friends, but Constantine soon was looking for a new wife. As Italiates puts it to uh, avoid rumour and gossip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you don't want people assuming you're just free and easy. You know, no, it's time to settle down no. and get a wife. Yeah. So he married another woman from another prominent family. Uh, her name was Eudocia, and this is a relative... Of course it was. Of course it was. This is a relative of a recent patriarch. So 
powerful family. Uh, incidentally, this is the patriarch who caused the Great Schism, which I'm very much aware I still haven't particularly covered because it still no. isn't that important yet because no one really right. knows that the Great Schism's happened. It's just yet another falling out with the Western Church. They happen all the time. Uh, is it is the kind of thing where everyone's talking about it in the city? Is oh, the Great Schism. Oh my goodness, have you heard? No, it's no. not even that. No, no, no it's nothing. It's, it's... No one's talking about it. It's just just life as oh. normal. It's one of those things where historians went back and then put a pin in the date and went, yeah, this this is the moment it split. Right. And it's actually a lot more murky than that. So that's why well, I've not is. gone into it yet. But uh, yeah, just know Patriarch caused a great schism relative of this Eudosia. Hmm. Uh, the two seem to uh, get on well enough, at least well enough to have children. Great. The eldest... The eldest was a boy named Michael Seven, which was an optimistic name. <laughs> uh, shall I put a box round? Oh, yes, put a box round Michael. There were two more boys as well, and two daughters. Ooh. That's right, records of daughters. Wow. Because we've got Celis as a source. Celis actually goes into a little bit of detail, talk about how one dies at some point, but the other's still oh. alive while Celis is writing his uh, account. And he just says, may she live to a ripe old age! Exclamation mark. Ha <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ha. So, um, yeah, nice family Constantine has now. Good. But he was said to have been very mild-mannered at this point. Uh, he loved <laughs> nothing more than theology debating people on the finer points of religion. And it's around this time that he meets a good friend, or someone who will become a good friend, and that is none other than Celis himself. <laughs> Celis knew Constantine personally when the children were young, so we, we actually get, which is very rare, uh, an account of what Constantine was like with his children, hmm. which, if that's happened before, I've forgotten. Maybe the Julio-Claudian yeah. time right at the start... Uh, but apparently Constantine enjoyed joining in with his children's games, laughing at their Aww. baby talk, and often romping with them. Excuse me? Like romping through the fields. Oh, Yeah, okay. good old romp. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he sounds really nice, actually, joking and innuendo aside. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he does. He, he comes across as a nice man. Remember, this is Celis saying this, and he was Celis's bestest friend ever. That's a good and fair point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, according to Celis, Constantine set up a very good education for his children uh, and seemed, as Constantine IX came to power, to settle into a relaxed life with his family. And for a while, we get no details on what Constantine gets up to at all. During Constantine IX's reign, Theodora's, Michael VI's and Isaac's reign, there's no mention of him. Apart from, obviously, right at the end of Isaac's reign, when suddenly yes. he comes to the fore again. Oh, he's emperor. <laughs> well, it's suggested that he spent his time in quiet contemplation of God. That sounds too nice. I bet he had again, fingers in pies, again, part this of the wealthy. Is, this is Celis telling us this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Celis uh, tells us a couple of other things as well. He helped puppies cross the road and he... Uh, <laughs> He rescued the, the burning orphanage and all the children inside. Yeah, exactly. And then made pies for grannies. So, yeah. I mean, did that, oh, obviously. What a guy. Yeah. Uh, and then we catch up with the narrative, obviously. Uh, Isaac's the emperor. He's cooed. He's reforming the empire, trying to get the military mm. back up on its feet. And then he gets ill. Uh, he's got no legitimacy whatsoever. And he decides, yeah. on his deathbed, to give the throne out of nowhere to Constantine. I wonder how surprised he was. Well, don't worry, we don't need to wonder. Celis goes into a fair amount of detail here. <laughs> uh, Saying, Holy rat balls! <laughs> well, 
you'll be pleased to know, like I say, Psellus spends a lot of time explaining why this happened, making it really sure, repeatedly so, that it was Isaac's choice. Definitely Isaac's choice. He made this choice. I'm going to explain oh, yes. it in Isaac's chapter, and then when, when yeah. I get to Constantine's chapter, I'm going to tell you again, and in fact, I'm going to go into more detail of how this was Isaac's choice. Definitely not mine. I'll keep reinforcing mine. this again and again and exactly. again. Exactly. So much so this goes on for several pages, and I'm not going to try and cover it all. This is a shortening of what Sellers says happened. When Isaac cooed, the city had actually expressed support for the idea of Constantine becoming the emperor rather than a military coup leader. Isaac, wishing to calm this faction down, met with Constantine, and a promise was made that Constantine would have a large say in how the empire was ran. Uh, however, Isaac would be the emperor. Apparently, Constantine agreed to this. However, once Isaac assumed control of the empire, he mostly ignored Constantine. Then, again, this is still all according to Sellus, a few years later, when Isaac becomes ill, he became convinced that the best man in the empire to rule was indeed the man who the city had been behind a few years before. So he called for Constantine. On his deathbed, he assured him that there would be no better man to rule the empire than him, and told Constantine that he would be the next emperor. But then, Isaac suddenly became a bit better and started to regret his decision. Hmm. Perhaps his brother, John Comnenus, would make more sense. But then Isaac becomes ill once more, and it becomes obvious that he's not surviving this time, and he becomes convinced that Constantine actually definitely is the best man for the job. As he was too ill, Celus himself organised the formal ceremony, as no one else dared to. And again, <laughs> according to Celus, Isaac, with tears in his eyes, embraced Celus when he learnt how organised things had been. Another self-pat on the back there. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh Isaac was goodness. then monked and went off to die in a monastery somewhere, and Constantine was proclaimed emperor. The end. So if Con yeah, yeah, no. So if, so if Constantine was such a big player behind the scenes, how come this is kind of the first time we've heard of him? Yeah, I, there's a few problems with this version. Uh, in real life, it seems far more likely that Isaac became ill, Celus was able to organise the promotion of a friend, and then when Isaac annoyingly recovered a bit, yeah. he was very angered that his advisor had taken the liberty of bypassing his brother John. So Isaac made it very clear, no, John is the next in line. John yeah. Komnenos. By the way, make a note of him. Don't put a box by him, but... He will be coming back in the story. Hmm. So then Isaac does become ill again, and Celus, and then Celus rushed through the formalities against the protests of Isaac's wife. If you remember the end of last episode, yeah. In fact, I'll quote Celus here: "No one at all, except myself, dared to array Constantine in the imperial insignia." So he even admits that he's literally driving this through himself. Yeah, Isaac, military reformer, Celus just wants things to go back to the way they were, shoehorns right. his friend in whilst Isaac's yeah. ill. That seems more likely. Yeah. However, if you want to read Celus and believe Celus, there are pages upon pages of how this is definitely <laughs> not how it happened. Good, good authentic Celus. Don't get me wrong, I love Celus, but oh my god, I want I, I just want <laughs> someone to turn around and punch him in the face occasionally. Well, yeah, we all, we all do. We, yeah, we, all, yeah. we all do. So anyway, we're now in the reign of Constantine X and his right-hand man, Salus. 
Uh, to begin with, pains were taken to make sure that everyone was happy. These two men knew what they were doing when it came to keeping people happy. Constantine met with people from all walks of life, from the aristocracy, the powerful, uh, to the merchants in the city, and made sure that anyone who had a meeting with the emperor left that meeting feeling like they had gained something. He gave a string of speeches, I'll quote a little bit of one. I will be kind and compassionate, a father to the young, a brother to those my age, and a cane to the elderly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's literal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I will be your relative if you're young, your relative if you're my age, and an implement to help you walk <laughs> if, if you're, like, really old. Um, was it Salus that um, said all that? No, that's actually from uh, Italiates, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm guessing it's lost something slightly in translation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. As you can see, he's trying to keep everyone happy. That's impossible to do for a politician. Yeah, it definitely is, as we will see. Uh, but to begin with, it seems to work fairly well. He did please a lot of people. Uh, and then he worked on righting the many perceived wrongs of Isaac. If you remember, Isaac had raised money for this new reformed military yeah. by stripping land and wealth from many of the powerful families, especially mm. those in the Theodora slash Michaels faction. Yeah. who had just been reaping it in before Isaac got into power. So Constantine decided, it's like, no, actually, let's return to the old ways. All that land and wealth that was stripped away from those powerful families can be returned as much as it's possible. Let's take it back off the military. They don't really need that, do they? Uh, these oh, reforms that Isaac was doing, do we really need those reforms? We've been fine for a thousand years. We'll still be fine. Okay, if I were emperor... Yeah. Which I'm not, no, just in case you're no. wondering. Um, the one thing I, I'd definitely do is keep the military on my side as much as possible. Yeah. And to do that, I wouldn't take the land off them. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, if Isaac's the military leader who was determined to change the empire for the better using yeah. reforms, uh, Constantine Ten and Celis behind him was certainly much a return to the old ways. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the powerful were very happy. This is exactly yeah, well, what they wanted, but that's not to say everyone is happy. Uh, as ever, after the fall of the Macedonian dynasty uh, and the lack of legitimacy that's now hanging around, there were many wondering, why am I emperor? I mean, Ooh. who exactly was Michael the Old? Who was mm. Isaac? Who is this Constantine? Why not me? We've mm. had three emperors with no dynasty in a row, so you know what, I'm going to have a crack at this. And oh soon enough, a coup attempt was hatched. A faction of men decided that they could definitely do a better job than the Ducas family can, and they start plotting. Uh, now, whether this is a rival faction of the powerful, so another fa powerful family, or supporters yep. of Isaac's coup in the military is unclear. Uh, quite likely a mixture of both. Um, yeah. But we just don't know. It was just people who were plotting. Hmm. Either way... They were leading men in the army and the navy in the city, so uh, they could pull strings. The plan, you could argue, was perhaps overly convoluted. This was the plan. They would wait until the emperor was visiting somewhere outside the palace. They would then set up some riots in different places in the city, something that would force the emperor to flee back to the palace. However, they'd make sure that the riots were between the emperor and the palace, so the best way for the emperor to get back to the palace would be to go to the docks, get on a boat, and then sail around to the palace's private dock. 
Mm. You're still with me. Yeah, it's making a lot of assumptions here, though. Yeah, uh, someone like you should have been in the blackboard meeting as they were coming up with this one. You get the feeling that this is a coup attempt by committee. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lots of people with their own ideas. Okay, I like the doc idea. We keep that. And I also like the right idea. Why don't we merge (laughs) those ideas together? Uh, Wonderful. (laughs) Anyway, once he was in the docks... The Emperor would see a ship full of guards. He would rush onto the ship and order to be taken back to the palace. The ship would then sail into the open water and dump his body into the sea. But why would they dump his body if he's still alive? Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that was Jeff in the meeting. <laughs> it was a good day for Jeff. He caught on incredibly quickly. That is lightning fast. The trouble yeah. is it was three days after that it happened <laughs> and failed. Right, so let's find out how the coup goes, shall we? One day, and I quote, as the day had just began to smile. Oh, that's Isn't disgusting. That nice. That, that's nice. No. That's, that's Italiates for you, that is. That's, oh, yeah. God. I don't know whether that was a literal translation from the original Greek or whether that was someone else <laughs> using figurative language in place of another figurative language, but I hope it's literal and yeah. that the uh, the Romans used to use the phrase just as the days began to smile to talk about the morning. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the day's starting to smile. It's probably a sort of smirk rather than a smile because the day knows stuff's about to go down. <laughs> he can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait to see this coup attempt. <laughs> wait. Yeah. Uh, the emperor and his family, uh, including a newly born son, by the way, who uh, Eudocia oh. had given birth to shortly after Constantine had become emperor. Anyway, they were all heading out together as a family to a shrine in some part of the city. It doesn't say why, either for some religious purpose, or he was going to cut the ribbon on it or something. Or okay. equivalent of. Yeah. I'm sure they didn't actually have a ribbon. Um, <laughs> anyway, on the way, they heard a loud commotion. It was a short Bang, way crash! Ah! Yeah, stuff like that, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then another loud commotion. Bang, crash! Ah! <laughs> yeah, I mean, they rehearsed. Yeah. The spontaneity had gone out of the riots. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarrely identical. They all started with one man hitting another man over the head with a chair. It's all like uh, theatre groups. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, ah, I have been hit. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, reports of these riots start reaching Constantine very quickly. Uh, in fact, it's very quickly decided that the emperor needs to get back to the palace to be safe. However, there's a lot of rioting going on between where the emperor was and the palace. Do you know what you should do? You should head to the docks and get on his boat. Says someone. Brilliant idea. Yeah. So the emperor and his family are rushed down to the nearest docks. <laughs> Do you think it's what the writers just turn and watch just to make sure the <laughs> emperor's doing something? Arm um, break. Okay. Woo. Like hands around well, each other's nice. necks still, but all of them just yeah. peering around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Is he gone? Is he gone? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the emperor manages to get to the docks safe, and. The first ship he sees belongs to a magistrate that he knows, who beckoned him on board. Come this way, Emperor. So the royal family all clamber on board, and the ship starts rowing out to safety. So far, so good? Yeah. Yeah, don't follow that ship that's rowing out to safety. Just uh, pan along the dock slightly to the next ship. One of the angry soldiers on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, son of a... <laughs> it was... <laughs> Full of very panicked and annoyed conspirators. 
because the emperor <laughs> had got on the wrong boat. The magistrate was not part of the plot at all. It was just complete coincidence that he was there, and Constantine oh. recognised him when he went down to the docks. He would have got onto the boat full of guards. That made sense, but it was yeah. a man he knew and trusted right there, so he got on that boat instead. Not to worry, says the man in charge of the boat. <laughs> we'll just catch up with uh, the magistrate's boat and uh, we'll <laughs> offer protection, shall we say. Sir? Yeah? Are we now pirates? <laughs> they all put on their eye patches, whip out a parrot, and give chase. Wonderful. Soon enough, uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of soldiers on board, all rowing full strength, and soon enough, they are rowing alongside the ship with Constantine on it. They call over <laughs> to the Emperor. Sire! Come over to us, they call. We are a quicker <laughs> vessel. We'll be able to get to the palace docks quicker. You will be safe with us. <laughs> now, Constantine, either not trusting this new ship that's appeared out of nowhere, or just happy with the speed of the escape. I mean, he's out of danger now. He's with his friend. Yeah. It's fine. He declines the offer. The... <laughs> no, sir. No, 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 sir, sir, sir. We insist. Well, the conspirators become desperate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they get into a bit of a huddle. At least I imagine they did. Quick sort of brainstorming session. No, no idea's a stupid idea here, guys. Uh, what, what do we do? We can harpoon the boat, sir. No harpoons. Oh. Uh, jump over? Mm, yeah, that's that. Like, <laughs> give the game away a bit. <laughs> uh, set the other boat on fire so they don't have a choice to get onto our boat. You know what? If someone had come up with that suggestion and they were able to do it, they probably would have done it over what they did. Uh, I, oh. I love this so much, I'm just going to quote it. So the conspirators became desperate, and I quote, Whereupon they had the audacity to try another tactic to serve their purpose, which was to strike the ship with their oars, pretending it was the fault of the bad weather. You what? <laughs> Just imagine the emperor like looking over there. Like, what, what are you doing to our boat? Just... You're knocking the paint off. Stop it! It's the bad weather, sir. It's only the bad weather. They're there just with their oars, just hitting the <laughs> other boat. <laughs> Damn <Yeah>. you, rain! <laughs> it sounds like thunder, sir. Quick! <laughs> I'm not entirely oh, sure. Oh, damn it, I broke my oar. I'm not entirely sure what they were hoping to achieve, whether they actually tried to capsize the other boat with their oars while shouting that, that, yeah, yeah, this, this coup has gone, gone south, shall we say. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's heading towards the core. Yeah, it, it's not good. Um, anyway, <laughs> be shocked to learn Constantine and his family uh, make it back to the palace safely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he wasn't happy. <laughs> no. Someone, somewhere along the lines of all of that mess, had uh, let it slip, and Constantine had figured out that this was perhaps a coup attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Cellus <laughs> uh, tells us how the great Constantine took it in its stride, obviously. He calmly put the conspirators on trial. And once found guilty, Constantine did not mutilate or execute anyone. Mm. Uh, no, he simply exiled them because he is a bally good chap. Oh, it's That's a quote from Cellus there. Then, as Celis dined with the Emperor one evening after the trials had taken place, the Emperor burst into tears, saying, and I quote Constantine here, What a pity our exiles cannot share in such pleasures. I cannot possibly enjoy myself like this when others are in distress. B <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, we we get a we get another picture from Skylitzes and Italiates. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> Let's let's flash back to the actual day of the coup, shall we? So uh, Constantine and his family have made it back to the palace. Constantine's got a brother who I've not mentioned yet. Annoyingly, he is also called John. Now remember, we've got Isaac's brother called John Komnenos, who I said, pay attention to him, he's important. We now have John Ducas as well. So I'm just going to keep calling him John Ducas so it's clear. Or JD. Or JD, yeah. So, JD... (laughs) sets off outside the palace after he hears of this coup attempt with all of the guard. I assume that means the Varangian guard as well, so there's some Vikings, but also all the soldiers hanging around. Uh, They go out into the city, walking up and down the main streets, restoring order, shall we say, with their swords. Yeah. (laughs) Here's some law and order for you! Yeah. Uh, He was joined, uh, obviously, by the city prefect, so the man in charge of the actual city, the law and order in the city, and, uh, yeah, so John Ducas, the city prefect, walking the streets, fully armed soldiers, peace is firmly restored. Right. And soon enough, the city was calm... Uh, calm in that kind of bubbling tension kind of way. Yeah, we're sorry. Now, the plotters, realising that this is one of the worst coup attempts that we have ever seen, uh, although we did see that one in the last episode where everyone just gave up immediately, so maybe bad coups are par for the course at this time. Yeah. Anyway, the plotters fled to the Hajj Sophia for sanctuary. They always do that. It never works. <laughs> you would have thought they'd have learnt, but no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't work this time. They're just dragged out. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yes, you might claim sanctuary, but I claim the fact that my sword is at your throat. Move. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, once they were captured, the conspirators start talking and they start saying names. And then more names and more names were mentioned. In fact, I'll quote here. Every day, many people were being arrested and most in the city were gripped by fear that they might be accused. It's a bit like the treason trials, isn't it? Oh, yes, this is very much treason trials. Notice the uh, status bias there in that quote. Most in the city. Yes, Ellis, most in the city, if you are only including the incredibly rich people who could be behind the coup. I'm sure most in the city were just getting on with their lives. But anyway, many in the powerful were worried that they were about to be named. One man who was accused was the city prefect himself. This was the man who went out and put the riots down with John Ducas. Uh, Constantine decided after hearing that the city prefect was being named, decided subtlety was the best course of action. (laughs) Just quietly, city throat, quietly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the city prefect was summoned to the palace to be praised for his help in putting down the revolt. Uh, Quote... Swerve. Oh, yeah. He waltz into the palace as if he had accomplished something noteworthy in suppressing the rebels. But there his ceremonial bout was removed, along with his insignia, and he unexpectedly found himself convicted. Oh, that'd be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Remove your ceremonial belt. Yeah. Remove the, the socks of the patronage. I'm guessing the city prefect bout looked a little bit like a, like a big boxer's bout that they have. Oh, yeah, like a championship belt. Yeah, yeah I'm guessing so. Uh, anyway, according to Italiates, Constantine becomes a little bit paranoid by this point. We, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, he's convinced that half of the powerful in the city want him dead, possibly because half the powerful in the city want him dead. Yeah. So he starts draining the treasury in order to carry out investigations and trials. All the sources, so Celus and 
Skylitzes and uh, Ateliates do all agree that he did not go killy-killy. Uh, mm. In fact, those found guilty were indeed only exiled. Uh, but he does apparently become obsessed with routing out all the conspirators. This becomes his sole focus. And because of this, his popularity starts to suffer. He raised the taxes in order to cover the costs of the military, because he realises, oh dear, I took all the money off the military to give back to the powerful, (laughs) Uh, and now we kind of need money for the military, so let's raise the taxes. Yeah, that doesn't go down too well. No. And then at some point, perhaps this was before the plot, but it's not clear, maybe it was soon afterwards, uh, one of his sons dies. Oh no, that wasn't Michael Seven, was it? No, it wasn't Michael Seven, um, because good. his episode would have been short. Uh, Michael Seven, <laughs> by the way, is technically a co-emperor at this point. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, but that's essentially the heir Caesar rank. Right. But Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no, this was uh, one of the other sons that was born before he became emperor. Celis describes this child as a beautiful child, who then Aww. unfortunately died. It's just very rare we get any description of the children at all, so it's just odd yeah. to come across it. Uh, but obviously, Celis knew these children personally. He would have been like mm, an uncle to true. them. Yeah. Like I mentioned, though, of course, Eudocia has had another son since uh, Constantine became emperor. So there are three sons, the Michael Seven you mentioned, one called Andronicus, and one called Constantius. We will be mm. getting to know all three of those sons more in future episodes. Ooh! Technically, you could box all of them, but I think at this point only Michael Seven's going to get an episode. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm intrigued. Yeah, let's ju- just know things get messy again very quickly. <laughs> yeah, where well, is this when brothers are involved? Yeah. Anyway, it's around this time. We're in September of 1063, and the earthquake hits. <gasps> For two reasons. One, we're three, year- we're three years away from Hastings. Well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. And nice earthquake. Thing. Earthquake, oh yeah, big one, or rather three big ones, in quick succession. (laughs) Yes, this was not just the capital, we're not talking Constantinople here, we're talking the entire region. Yeah, many weak buildings fell down, the grand buildings suffered a lot of damage, Uh, the goats were pulling in overtime for quite some time. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, this was severe earthquakes, the worst in living memory. What is most fascinating about it, though, is Ateliates dedicates a whole small chapter to it and starts speculating on what caused the earthquakes. Many in the city had tried to explain it as the movement of gas and water underneath the earth that has caused the earth to move around, and that's what causes the earthquakes. Ateliates is convinced that this may be true to some extent, but it does not explain why some of the more religious buildings survived. Therefore, it is clearly a work of God. And it's the first time in all the sources we've done in the Roman Emperors that I've seen this argument between scientifically explaining something and uh, just explaining it through the will of God or trying to marry the two things together, which is what Ateliati starts to do. It was just fascinating coming across it where he says, yeah, Mm. that... The whole gas and water thing moving probably is true, but who made that move? And That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was interesting stuff. Not for them at the time. Probably terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, what's terrifying is in 1064, reports come through that the Turks have taken Annie. Who's Annie? <laughs> She's not okay. <laughs> this is the capital of Armenia. Yeah. Uh... Uh, Armenia, you may well have forgotten uh, because things change a lot on the borders nowadays. Uh, But Armenia is currently under Roman control. Right. Uh, Yeah, semi-autonomous, but under Roman control. They answer to the emperor. 
Well, not anymore, because the Turks have taken it. This was yeah. a shocking blow to the Empire. And now, the Turks have been causing problems on the borders for some time now. I've been mentioning them quite a bit in a little, yeah, they're causing problems on the borders yeah. for quite some episodes. <laughs> uh, but this is a wake-up call. The city of Annie was uh, said to be untakeable, but it had fallen. Oh dear. Yeah, that's not good. Many lay the blame squarely at the Emperor's feet. The governor in charge of the region had recently been replaced by Constantine because a man had come along and essentially said, you know what, I could run that area cheaper. And Constantine had gone, yeah, all right then. Off you go. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, if, if we can believe oh. the sources, very little thought was put into it by Constantine and he just let it just slide. Right. Yeah, okay. and now it's fallen. Now, I'm going to go into this in a lot more detail in the next episode, but just know for now, this is a huge blow and Constantine's waning popularity is suffering even more. Oh dear. Then, there are news of raids from a whole new group of people from the north. New North and Barbarians. Yay. These were the Uzoi. The Uzai... The Ukas, the Gurs, the Gurs. I've seen so many different spellings of this, and they're not right. around for long, or at least as far as I'm aware, unless they're going to come back. <laughs> so <laughs> choose, choose one of those. Uh, they are also Turkish in origin, but completely different to the Turks on the eastern border, because right. they've gone yeah, yeah. over the past few hundred years, over the north of the Black Sea and migrated. Uh, they've kind of been chasing the Pekenics. You remember the Pekenics are the yeah, yeah. northern barbarians of choice at the moment? Well, yeah. they're the barbarians chasing the Pekenics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the Pekenics have been there for a while now, so these group are now in, coming up behind. Yeah. Uh, the Emperor sent out scouts to get an idea of the numbers. How big are we talking? Is this like, oh, we're going to have to take a weekend off to go and sort this out? <laughs> is this like a summer campaign or is this the end days are near? He was, and I quote, sorely troubled at what he learnt. There's at least three, sir. <laughs> Possibly more. Well, this was not a small invasion. This was a large migration of a warlike people. The like the Empire oh. had not seen in quite some time. Oh, dear. Yeah, this, this was seriously bad. Where's Isaac when you need him? <laughs> Well, Constantine rushed to get his forces together. A couple of problems. No forces? Well, you've kind of hit on the first one. Where's Isaac when you need him? <laughs> yeah. All the military reforms that Isaac had put in place had just been repealed by Constantine and Sellers pretty much straight away. So the military are not in a good shape at the moment. Oh, dear. And number two, they've got no money to recruit more because most of the money is just going to them in the powerful who are just reaping in the money because why the hell not? And the trials as well, a lot of money wasted in that. Yeah, exactly, there's all that. And, oh, and also, um, the troops they do have, uh, they're not great, because in order to save money, Constantine had decided to uh, make some strategic cuts to the army. And who should you fire? The, the old, expensive ones. The old, expensive, experienced, the ones, the ones yeah. that know how to fight. Yeah, so yeah. the army's full of new recruits. Oh, dear. Yeah, and what are these new barbarians like? Constantine asked nervously. Uh, I'll quote, Everyone agreed that the enemy horde was invincible and altogether unconquerable. They could shoot a penis off your nose and you wouldn't even know. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's not great. No. Italiates tells us that Constantine, this is a bit bizarre, but stick with it, was only <laughs> able to gather a force of 150 men. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. 150? 150. <laughs> Not 150,000. 
150, uh, and set up camp outside the city to prepare to leave and fight. Now, obviously, this, this doesn't seem right. Something's gone wrong here. I tried to look into it. I couldn't figure it out. Either that is a translation error in the, uh, the number, yeah. or maybe this is 150 leading men who would then gather their own forces, or this was just a small training area for the officers before they went to... Yeah, something's gone wrong here. But, yeah. I mean, this isn't just one sentence, because Ataliates then goes on to say it was almost like the tales of old, uh, where you get a small, tiny force yeah. fighting massive forces. So yeah. it's, it's all a bit strange. Something's gone wrong there, but just know... Very wrong. Constantine's forces are not very good. No. And this is looking worrying. It's about this time that Roger turns up. Hello, sir! Good news! Oh yes, good news. The Uzoi have been utterly destroyed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not by my men, surely they were terrible. <laughs> A disease had struck the migrating population. We're not sure what it is. Uh, the bubonic plague, obviously, is still doing the rounds. Um, yeah. As is smallpox. Smallpox never goes away, does it? Uh, as are various other things. So who knows what it is, but something hits them, and it hits them hard. Kills off about half of them, apparently. The Bulgarians and the uh, Pachenek forces that are nearby are able to use this to their advantage and finish off the rest. So there you go. Constantine heads back into the city and celebrates his victory. <laughs> and wipes his brow. Oh, thank God for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, things are looking a bit dodgy in the east still with the Turks, but the immediate threat of the northern barbarians is sorted. And, and not just sorted, it's like literally had been put down by God. Ooh, That's a clear yeah. sign that things are going well for the Empire. We didn't even need yes. to have to fight. Divine Intervention saved us. Even Splendid. better. And this is how we find the Roman Empire in the year 1066. <gasps> oh. Because that is right, Jamie. We have reached 1066. Yeah. Right now, as Constantine 10 is celebrating, William the Conqueror is heading to England. Oh, in fact, yes. I think, Jamie, if you listen really hard... Like, listen really yeah. hard. Yeah. 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 I bet we'd be able to hear Graham and Ali from Rex Factor talking about 1066. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about this. <laughs> just give, give me a moment. <laughs> no, really? That's amazing. <laughs> just, they just, just not plan enough. They thought well, this would probably be enough. <laughs> yeah. I'd have brought all of them with me. Uh, so then, heavy infantry from the Normans advanced, but they're pelted Jamie. with missiles yeah. and. Well, uh, it's the Battle of Hastings. The what? G-Man. Do you hear they're that? talking about the Battle what? of Hastings. What's that? What's, who's, There's someone in here. There's someone else here. Oh, what? Oh, hi. Oh. Um. Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. Sorry, um, uh, we, we're just passing what? through. Is, yeah. is, this, is this 1066? Y yeah, it's, it's the Battle of Hastings. Yep. Oh. Right. Okay, well, uh, ignore us. Just, uh, yeah, just, carry just carry on. We're okay. observers. Who are you? Oh, the t Totalus Rankium. Yeah, we rank emperors. Yeah, like different categories. and. That's, yeah, yeah, I know we're doing that about uh, the kings and uh, queens of England. Oh, what what uh, what categories do you do you guys do? Um, Rob, uh, it's, there's one about 
fighting. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we, have, yeah. we call it battliness. Yeah, uh, uh, well, we've got Latin. Uh, well, it's not really Latin. Latin. Uh, we, we've got, got uh, Approbium Crasium, you know, like how, how crazy are they? Yeah. Uh, got success, mm. success, success Sultimus, how successful they, they were. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What? You don't you don't rank them by how long they rule for or um, anything like that, that do you? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um we might we might just, do just that. a little bit. We 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 don't do anything about how many children they had. Completely different. Yeah, that's completely that's fine. That, that's that's the main thing for us really is the children. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's 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 what I thought. Uh Really sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no. It was kind of it was quite a key key moment there, really. Oh you yeah, know, it's, it's um, quite a big moment in the series for us, really. Ten sixty six oh. and the, the battle. We kind of. I mean, I'll tell you what, just like just to... cut this bit out, and then in like ten years' time, when we actually reach this point in our podcast, uh, we're we'll release it then. Well, right. Graham, yeah. my brain has exploded. You were able to handle these people? Yeah, I think we'll we'll just carry on. Okay, and uh, you. Call the lawyers. Okay. Call the lawyers. Shut the door on the way out, please, chaps. All right. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Lovely you to Bye. Yeah. Bye. meet you in the Bye. future. Bye. So heavy infantry from the Normans then advance, but they're pelted with missiles and seen off by those professional hearse cars because they're not. See, see, I told you you would be able to hear the Rex Factor. Very similar to our podcast. Almost shockingly so. But still, there you go. We've caught up with. The Rex Factor, which we did a while nice. ago, actually, but now 1066 has arrived. Yeah, it's a real date. Another which, rubbish one before. <laughs> I suppose if you're not from England or Britain, 1066 doesn't hold as much of a... It's a bit like 1776 in America, I imagine. It's just a yeah. date that's drilled into you as this is an important date. Yeah, but we don't yeah. care. We... Well, someone else who doesn't care. Constantine 10. <laughs> nope. No. I wonder if he's aware of it, though. Like, his message is saying, oh, they've invaded England. It seems to me he was only just aware that the Turks were invading his own borders. So <laughs> That's I don't a very think... fair point. Yeah, very, very fair point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really doubt what... Uh... Well, I say what the Normans are up to. Uh, they would have been aware of what some of the Normans were up to, something I've not really yeah. covered in this episode just because it gets bitty. Uh, there is actually some stuff going on in south of Italy where yeah. they're trying to get some of their land back in the south of Italy during this reign, and the Normans are around as well, and uh, it doesn't go too well. But no. there's no great stories or clear narrative in that bit, so I've kind of left it out of the story. But just know the Normans yeah. are all over the map at the moment. Yeah, they are. Yeah, Normans might, you might think 1066 Normans in England, but no, they're up to stuff in Italy and Sicily and all sorts. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, there you go. Uh, 1066, Constantine is ruling and he's fairly happy. Uh, then he's dead the next year. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. There you go. He became ill. He was already in his 60s. Back then, that's old. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't like an overnight illness. He knew he was going to die, uh, so he had some time to prepare. Okay. He announced <laughs> that his son Michael was too young to be the sole emperor, so until he was old enough, his wife Eudocia would rule with the help of John Ducas, his brother, and although he didn't officially say it, Celis yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, have we got an episode about Eudocia then? Well, that is debatable. She appears uh, on very few lists, but. I, I'm very tempted to give her an episode. Well, yeah. There is you know. very little to say. However, right. it will give me a bit more 
time <laughs> yeah. to talk about the Turks because for so many episodes I've been going, just know there's stuff going on with the Turks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think before things kick off properly, uh, I think we need a bit of background of what's going on with the Turks. So I think yeah. next episode will be Eudocia's episode. We will see what she did while she was in sole control of the Empire for the brief time she was. Um, but we will also be looking into what is going on with this new Turkish group of people who are on the borders. Yeah. Um, mm. But before all that, we need to rate Constantine 10. And as Celis himself puts it, I quote, I doubt any emperor lived a more glorious life. Well, we'll decide that. Oh, yes, we will. Fighting Maximus. Maximus. There is no way he can get any marks for this. Well, he, d- he didn't even put down a revolt. He avoided one by chance. Well, he, he was involved in the military at some point. Um, he was from a rich family, a uh, prominent family. He would have been a young officer in charge of the military at some point. That is yeah. almost uh, certain. It's quite likely this was one of the reasons why he was close to Delesnos. It was probably through mm. military connections rather than yeah. just hanging out together. But the details are very, very scarce. Uh, he may have been involved in a coup attempt or two, during the whole mess of the Macedonian dynasty. Yeah. But if he was, it wouldn't have been him sword in hand. It would have been him following Delesnos' lead, uh, yeah. organising things. Uh, like you say, um, he he was on, on should we call it the Night of the Oars to make it more exciting? <laughs> Even though it was the day. The day of the Oars doesn't sound as fun. Yeah. The nice, uh, the night of the lightning Oars. Yes, exactly. It's the weather. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, there's just there's nothing really here. Oh, no, hang on. He did defeat the Uzioi. No, he didn't. No, no, he really didn't, did he? No. Yeah, uh, and the Turks are now taking chunky bites out of the eastern frontier rather than nibbling away at it. Yeah, it's not good. No. I... Can we give him any points at all for anything? No. So I don't like giving a Wayne zero. It's like there must be something, just one point he could earn for one. He didn't do anything though, did he? No. No. Uh, no. Zero. Zero. Next. Aprovium <laughs> crazium. Can you think of anything? No. He's, in fact, he's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Person, the really. sources go out their way to point out that although he was either a brilliant emperor or a mediocre emperor, depending on what source you're reading, what the sources do agree on is that he was just a nice guy. Hmm. He didn't want to cause suffering to people, even if they plotted against him. Uh, yeah. He does not go off the deep end. I'm not even convinced that he got into the shallow end, to be honest. <laughs> no. I think he stayed on the edge of the pool... Sipping a cocktail. Yeah. I mean, he burst He burst into tears after he exiled people because he was having a lovely meal and they weren't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's just nothing. You, there's nothing. You could argue <laughs> what Celis did and him was actually a very, very soft coup. I'm thinking, like, Trajan levels, if we are believing our theory on Trajan, which I still believe, a coup <laughs> that was so good it doesn't go down in history as a coup. Mm. No, no, it's zero. No. Nothing. Okay, next. Success <laughs> Well, this isn't good, is it? Um, Isaac seemed to be moving things along in the correct direction. Uh, oh, yeah. He put a grinding halt to that, didn't he? Yeah, the, the Empire will be able to protect itself. Uh, the yeah. 
rich of the city would stop just reaping in all the wealth for themselves rather than using it to actually build the empire. And then Constantine comes in and just takes it all back to how it was. And the empire carries on its decline. Uh, I mean, he deliberately weakened the defence of the empire to help finance the leaders of the capital city. Yeah... However, we have got something here. Celis claims, and this is backed up in all the sources as well, that Constantine helped eradicate the distinction between senatorial class and the common man. I quote, Henceforth, no distinction was made between worker and senator. They were all merged into one body. One poor person. Gosh. Like human centipede style. <laughs> no, no, not quite like uh, that. Okay. Right. Uh, I mean, this is just simply not true in the sense that a modern reader would view that to mean. Uh, how, how would you take that sentence to mean? That the Senate was got rid of. Yeah, I mean, the Senate's still very much there. I mean, it still has yeah. no legal power, but it's still rich, powerful man's club. Yeah, and you can't compare that to Bert, who runs the fruit store in the market square. Ah, well, there's the other mistake uh, that is very uh, understandable to make. When we say worker nowadays, we think of a working class. But by worker back then, it's more likely Salas is talking about someone who works for a living, as in someone who makes money. You've got Ah. the senatorial class who don't need to do anything because they just exist. They have so much money, they don't need to do anything. And then you've got the rich merchants. Uh, They have to work for a living. I mean, okay, they work for a living by sitting on top of a vast empire of wealth, but it's technically work. Yeah. I'm guessing, reading into things, that this is more what it's like. It's not Bert, who looks after the goats on top of the Hajj Sphere, is now suddenly invited into senatorial meetings. That's not happening. Um, But there does seem to be some attempt by Constantine to maybe sort of mend a rift that's developing in the empire of a senatorial class that is lording itself uh, above the rest in the city. Okay. But saying that, it clearly what doesn't work too has? well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on, what do you think? Oh, zero. Yeah, it's zero, isn't it? I, and the, the empire's in a worse place than it was, so they've lost land. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. This is, so. this is the empire sliding quickly. Oh, dear. He, he simply, there's not a single thing that he did that helped the Empire. It's got to be zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe his good looks will pull him through. Next round. Image of it's, it's very small. Say so it's small coin. Uh, he's very, very beardy. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, it's, I think we said this last time about Isaac. There's something slightly piratey about him. A little bit, yeah. It's, it's the slight style. Um... It's not as good as Isaac's. Isaac's coin, for some reason, just really impressed me. And this one's not quite yeah. as good. But I'm still quite happy with it as a coin. Because no, it's not too bad. He's got his little beard. He's got his, his fun little hat. Um, he's got a staff with a square on it. And, like that. And a cross yeah. at the bottom. He's holding a ball. And it does look like he's standing with one of his hips sort of jauntily sticking out. <laughs> Uh, which is sass. quite nice. Yeah, he's got a bit of sass on the coin. <laughs> and again, it does look like he's got a cape, which it looked like Isaac had last time. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, um, I quite like that. I think this, this is his round. Um, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'll, only, I'll only give that about a six or a seven. I'm going seven. Side. I'm going to go seven. Seven. Because well, uh, Isaac got eight last time each. Yeah, that, that so. makes sense. Slightly less than Isaac. I'll go six. You can go seven, which is out of 30. No, I'll go seven as well. Mm. Uh, which gives us a total of 3.5. 3.5. Excellent. Okay. Temple completed. And uh, how long do you think he lasted? 
uh, I know how long Elastics is on that page. Oh, right. Okay. Well, how long did he last? Eight years. Eight years. From 10... 10.59 to 10.67. Yes. Eight-year rule. <laughs> um, which gives him a nice score of one for this round. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Right. Shall we add up his total? Let's do it. At zero. At zero. At zero. At zero. 3.5 add 1 is 4.5 4.5 we've had worse recently we have had worse yeah <laughs> which is quite shocking actually yeah you can start to see why the empire starts falling apart after this point it's uh oh yeah it was uh Michael Mike, Michael is old he got 0 0.16 it's, it's not been good for a while does it ever reach any form of I don't want to say heights but any plateau <laughs> Does it reach a plateau? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I don't know. It's very much water slidey for the rest of the journey. Um, I mean, there's bumps, but you don't necessarily want bumps in a water slide, do you? No, it's just painful. Oh, yeah. Do they have a certain je ne sais Oh, dear. Right, well, there we go. It's uh, it's his son next. Oh, no, sorry, it's not his son. It's his wife next, Eudocia, mm. as I've already uh, talked about. So uh, that will be next time. Let's see if she can do any better than her husband. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, thank you for downloading us and from Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher and Amazon Prime now. Oh, yeah. On Amazon Prime, you can download us if you're on Amazon Music. If if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, then do it. Um, and for uh, thank you for following us on Facebook and Twitter. And next week, we'll definitely read out some comments. I know we said that last time, but next time we definitely will. Yeah, because I did not prepare them. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting. No, that's all right. Next time. Next time. Definitely, definitely, definitely. We will do that. Right. Okay. Uh, so leave a comment so we'll definitely read it next time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Great. Until next time, all that needs to be said is... <laughs> he was terrible. Bye. Yes, he was. Goodbye. not working. Uh, he's, he's not falling for it at all. We need, we need a better idea, sir. Um, right, okay. Ideas, 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 ideas. Um, could someone um, just... Jump over? What, what, do what? Do what? Put him Kill under him. an arm and go... Oh. No, that's a bit obvious. This is <laughs> meant to be a subtle coup. It's meant to look like an accident. I, I could jump over and accidentally stab him fall on him fall on him I, I'm still not seeing that as an accident again subtle key word is subtle we've got loads of Greek fire we can set the boat on fire he won't have a choice but to come over here we'll say it was an accident Sebastian yes in all the hundreds of years of our history I would argue the least subtle thing that we have ever invented is Greek fire you may have a point sir we need the Emperor to come here voluntarily. We need him to to be afraid of being on his ship, but but we can't set it on fire because it's a bit obvious. Um, uh, sink it. Yes, if we could get away but it, it was sinking, that would work, but how could <gasps> we sink it? Bad weather! A storm! We could make a storm! Sebastian? Yes? How do we make a storm? Um, if I just splash the water with my oar a little bit... Oops, I accidentally hit his boat there. <laughs> Sorry, let's give it a go. Right, oarsmen! I'm hitting, sir! I'm hitting! Is it working? I don't think so. 
thunder! Thunder! Sebastian, why are you making that noise? I'm being thunder, sir. Oh, oh, I see. No, I like it. Uh, pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Oh, this storm, Emperor, you need to come over to this Emperor. Oh, sir, he's looking over the edge. He's looking over the edge, Oh, sir. it's working, it's working. Keep being subtly hit, subtly hit. Okay, just a bit of product. Emperor, Emperor, come. Em Emperor. It's working. Like, he's, he's looking. The Emperor's looking. Seb Sebastian, Sebastian, are you being a ghost? No, sir, I'm being a fog, sir. The ghosts look like fog. Right, okay, carry on. Emperor, em I can't see you through the fog. Quick, come to the... Oh, he's just looking straight at us. He looks angry, sir. Sebastian. Sebastian. Sebastian, cut, cut out the, the ghost noises. Stop the fog, Sebastian. It didn't work. They're gone. Oh. I think the problem is Ali was just settling in for an episode about Tokyo. Yeah, I was enjoying it, to be honest. Did we do that in the original episode about the arrows? Yeah, but you just went, uh. <laughs> Yeah, you see, I, I couldn't tell Ali if that was some really good acting or whether you were just... No, no. no it was always, <laughs> always genuine. <laughs> Never, ever. <laughs>